What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, our Hoops Hype salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Goslin, is back in the saddle with me to preview the NBA trade deadline, which is now a month away. We're going to tell you which teams are going to blow it up like the bathroom at an all-you-can-eat buffet and which players are coveted on the market like an NFT stock. Uh, Yossi, the first team I wanted to touch on with you is arguably one of the most popular teams in the league, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the, the Los Angeles Lakers have been doing their due diligence around the league, and they've expressed interest in Raptors guard Gary Trent Jr., according to league sources, uh, certainly one of several players they've checked in on. Uh, however, from that specific standpoint, I don't see a deal happening between those teams at this time since it's going to likely involve Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn from a salaries perspective. But interesting nonetheless that uh, the Lakers checked in on Gary Trent Jr., another clutch sports client. Uh, and they certainly have a few of those that are notable guys on the team. Yeah, and the most likely package would definitely involve at least Taylor Horton Tucker to match salaries. And I remember there was some speculation last year that the Raptors may have been interested in Taylor Horton Tucker when Kyle Lowry was available in last year's trade deadline. But I'm sure that changed as soon as they got Gary Trent. But I'm with you. I don't really see this framework happening for either team, especially, you know, the Raptors, they have Gary Trent. They're pretty set. And the with the Lakers, Malik Monk is going crazy right now. He's there. He's one. He's he's shooting it really well. Score. He's averaging like 20 points per game since Christmas. So, uh, you know, you can get Trent, but I'm not sure that's really helping them right now. If anything, I think they're going to look to make some roster spots on the back end. You know, Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan are available, as ESPN's Brian Windhorst mentioned. Uh, but the Lakers aren't trying to attach a pick to get off either of those guys from what I've heard. Uh, it would have to be similar to the Rajon Rondo situation. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get that done. Yeah, and I think they should be able to get that done. I get the feeling that the Lakers won't need the part ways with any picks to get off either player. So the Lakers just paid $1.1 million to the Knicks for them to take on Denzel Valentine's partial guarantee. So the Lakers didn't have to. That saved them some more money. And the Lakers still have $4.4 million in cash left to trade to help get off these uh, to get off DeAndre Jordan and Ken Bazemore. So uh, between that $4.4 million, I think that's more than enough to get off either player. Uh, maybe they don't even need to spend money, uh, spend cash to get off Bazemore. Uh, you know, he was pretty good last year. Maybe there's another team that feels like he they, like he could give them a little something. Um, and yeah, like the aside from creating roster spots, getting off either player saves the Lakers seven million dollars a piece in tax and payroll com- combined. So and then obviously, you know, you'll replace them. They'll replace them with uh, with players on prorated minimum salaries. But it's not really it, it's it's still going to save them a significant amount of money. Well, the Lakers aren't the only team in Los Angeles that are uh, a team to watch in the trade deadline coming up. The Clippers are focused on remaining highly competitive when both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard return healthy. Uh, Some in the organization believe it's unlikely Kawhi Leonard will return this season, I'm told. Uh, You know, we've seen in the past it can take 12 to 18 months for a player to recover from an ACL tear and then another Uh, six to 12 months for the player to be in elite basketball condition. Uh, So with that in mind, uh, a couple of names teams have called on are Serge Ibaka, who's on an expiring $9.7 million deal, and Justice Winslow, 
who signed through next season when he's owed $4.1 million. I'm curious to see if the Clippers part ways with both of those guys uh, before the deadline. And, you know, it, it's been a tough start to the season for them. They already were without Kawhi, and then they lose uh, PG-13 as well. Yeah, the absences of Paul George and Kawhi, it's definitely putting putting the Clippers at some sort of inflection point. Then you're going to have to make a decision on how they want to go about the rest of the season. They're just in a weird spot right now. The roster is so expensive, but they've been playing like a 500 team. And to, to add on to that, both Leonard and George, their statuses are very uncertain. You bring up how Kawhi, you've, you've heard maybe uh, he's, there's a, he might not come back despite optimism that he might. But I'm also looking at Paul George. He has a torn ligament in his elbow. I, I'm wondering if he's even going to come back this year. So, you know, the the other problems that uh, with their status is uncertain, you would think that they would want to tank, but they can't tank. They don't have their pick this year. It goes to OKC. So they don't have the, an incentive to tank. But at the same time, injuries may not allow them to compete at the highest levels. I think they'll probably do their best to be as competitive as possible and hopefully Leonard and George come back to help. But they could also just take it a little easier. Uh, they could be as, they can be a little proactive and take somewhat of a step back this season and start building towards next season while saving some money. So you mentioned Justice Winslow and Serge Ibaka's potential players maybe they could move off. Uh, and save, getting off these guys could save them a lot of money. They don't make that much money, but the luxury tax savings is enormous. So right now they have... A $93 million luxury tax payment. And in general, it's a $262 million roster. And I know money's not really an issue for the Clippers, but on a practical level, you don't need to be spending that much if you're not an, a, a contender. So if they were just to get off Justice Winslow, that would save them close to $22 million. And if they were to get off Serge Ibaka, that would save them close to $41 million. Getting off boats would save them close to $80 million. So there's a lot of money to be saved so there's definitely going to be some incentive for them to move off these guys uh, just or anyone who's not really in the rotation. Um, if I were them, maybe I would see if there's a deal with OKC to get off Bledsoe. If they can get off all three players, they would be they might get under the luxury tax. But getting off all three is probably unrealistic. But still makes sense to save some money now and, you know, create some trade exceptions by getting off these players. And you can use them next offseason to get some new role players. You know, Yossi, the Clippers aren't the only team that's kind of been an average team that could look to make some moves to save on the luxury tax heading towards the trade deadline. The Boston Celtics are a team that uh, is worth keeping an eye on, and you wrote about them recently on Hoopsite. So a couple things regarding the Celtics. The Boston Celtics have expressed interest in reacquiring forward Jeff Green, league sources told Hoopsite. Uh, you'll remember Green was coached by Brad Stevens in Boston, and I've also heard former lottery pick Aaron Neesmith and guard Dennis Schroeder are also available in Boston. Uh, you know, the team has also made some calls to do due diligence and see what's out there, including one to Phoenix uh, regarding Jalen Smith's availability. So Boston's work on the phones as well as we get a month out towards the trade deadline. Yeah. And so as we've discussed on this podcast before and I've written about extensively, the Celtics making Schroeder available makes a ton of sense since they're going to have limitations towards resigning him next offseason. And if in regards to Jeff Green, all those guys you mentioned, Schroeder, uh, Hernan Gomez, Aaron Naismith, uh, salary-wise, that's enough to get back Jeff Green. But don't know if that's a direction the Nuggets want to go through. Seems like they still want to preserve this season and 
be as good as possible despite all their injuries. But uh, you mentioned Aaron Naismith potentially being available. That's got to be a little concerning, considering he hasn't progressed from last season and doesn't really have a firm role in the rotation. And I'm seeing, you know, despite I'm seeing Celtics fans every night on my timeline begging for more Naismith minutes, but he hasn't played since returning from health and safety protocols. And so, yeah, I could see why he might be a guy that Celtics look to move from to help get below the luxury tax. Uh, Now, you also mentioned Jalen Smith, that the Celtics are doing their due diligence on him. And he's a guy who's uh, who who, uh, who's made some much needed progress from last season. Uh, He's made the most of his big minutes in the last few weeks and might be making the Suns regret declining his team option. But him potentially being a good player right now means that they might be stuck with him through the trade deadline. It's like, yeah, he's good, but that actually caught it actually kind of creates a problem because since they declined his team option, they're not allowed to re-sign him to a salary next season. That's more than the amount he was supposed to get on his rookie scale deal. And that would apply to any team that trades for him this season. So if you're a team that likes Jalen Smith, why would you trade for him? Uh, Cause now you're, you'd be putting yourself at risk of losing him next off season. And if another team offers him more than what he was supposed to make, which was 4.7 million, then you could very easily lose him. And I, I remember the most recent case of declined rookie option remorse was when Mario Hazonia played really well after the Magic declined him. And the Knicks gave him more than Orlando could offer. I don't know if the Magic were trying to resign him, but they couldn't match what the Knicks offered. So if you're trading for Smith, I think you're either taking him purely a salary filler as part of a bigger deal or you're betting that his market won't exceed what you're allowed to offer him. But yeah, if you like Jalen Smith, just try to pursue him in the offseason. It's kind of ironic. The The Phoenix Suns now are so loaded at center. I, I haven't seen a team have this many centers since Vlade Divac was running the uh, Sacramento Kings. But uh, <laughs> uh, all due respect. Uh, but, you know, Yossi, on, a, on an opposite end of the spectrum in the East, you've got the Celtics who could be looking to save money. And then you got another team like Chicago that is a contender to come out of the East. I don't think a lot of people thought that originally, but here they are. And, you know, Chicago's open to upgrading their roster, but they don't want to part with Patrick Williams. And however, Kobe White is available for the right upgrade, according to rival executives I've spoken with. To me, I'd go all in if I'm Chicago. DeMar DeRozan's playing at an MVP caliber level, and with Kyrie Irving unable to play currently in road games, and Brooke Lopez is dealing with a major back injury for the Bucs, this could be their window to come out of the East. If I'm Chicago, and I think Jeremy Grant, for example, is that X factor to get the team over the hump and come out of the East, while you also would be able to retain him next year, I'd strongly consider moving Patrick Williams to do it if it's if they think it's the right fit that can get them out of the East by the end of the season. Yeah, I'm with you on the Bulls prospects as a title contender. I've been the most wrong about them probably out of any team heading into this season. I thought their lack of defensive personnel would make them struggle to make the playing tournament. And now I don't see why they can't make it out the East. Uh, they should definitely make some sort of win now move. And I like that you mentioned Jeremy Grant. A couple weeks ago, I did write about Jeremy Grant, uh, some trade destinations that make the most sense to me. And Chicago was one of them. And now I've seen a lot of fake trades uh, that include Pat Williams for Grant, but I wouldn't do that if I'm the Bulls. And I don't think they'll do that either. 
I think like the injury to Pat Williams has to a lot of people made him seem like a logical, uh, you know, in, inclusion to a Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes type deal. But I just don't see the Bulls uh, giving up on him just yet. And so, you know, I could see some type of offer where, you know, they offer Kobe White, some salary filler and a first round pick. Like they got the Blazers lottery protected first uh, for if they could get a guy like Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes for that type of package. I think that's what they're probably going to offer. Uh, now, another reason why I wouldn't trade Williams for a player like Grant is because there's a good chance that that, that player is a rental, Grant being. Uh, the Bulls are going to get extremely expensive. They've got Lonzo, DeMar, and Vooch all making 20 to 30 million each. And now Levine is up for a max contract, and that will pay him around 40 million a year. So they're going to be, they're probably going to be in the luxury tax. And Grant, if they were to acquire him, for example, he's going to become eligible for 112 million over, over four years this offseason. I don't think he'll get the full amount, but even just like a slight raise on what he's currently making, that's going to be a lot for the Bulls to add on to on top of these other players that they owe a lot of money to. So ideally, if if a team like the Bulls trade for Jeremy Grant, it's probably for this and next year to try to win a title now. And then hopefully Pat develops into being his replacement in the long run. Well, the Bulls uh, aren't the only team that could be in the mix for Jeremy Grant, you know, uh, you talk about the Atlanta Hawks, for example, as a team that could be in the mix for him. And um, we've got a lot to get into with that team. So Danilo Gallinari is available for a first round pick on the trade market or could be packaged in a bigger trade, according to rival executives. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Gallinari is packaged with John Collins as part of a potential Ben Simmons trade package. Uh, there's also a sense from rival executives that Cam Reddish is more than likely going to be traded before the deadline. Uh, in my opinion, one interesting trade scenario would be if Reddish goes to Detroit as part of a package for Jeremy Grant, who we just touched on. Yeah, so a consolidation trade has been the hot topic for the Hawks recently, but if I'm them, I'd be very careful who I trade for in a consolidation trade since they're set to have a very expensive team going forward as well. Not a fan of Jeremy Grant to Atlanta for the for some of the same reasons that Chicago would have as far as the expenses long term. Uh, you got Trey, Collins, Capella, Bogdanovich, and Herter. They're all they are all getting paid now. And then DeAndre Hunter is up next. So to add Grant on top of that with his extension looming for most likely a bench roll when fully healthy doesn't really make sense to me. Um, now and then another there's there's a Simmons aspect of it. Uh, Atlanta's now there's reports that Atlanta has potential interest in Ben Simmons, which is a little more interesting to me uh, and probably a little more worth it in the consolidation. But I'm not I'm also not a fan of them trading a Collins based package for Simmons, mainly because I don't think I want to pair Simmons with Capella. That's uh, just too little shooting. Now, Maybe if they can also make some trades around that, maybe they could uh, flip uh, Bogdanovich or Gallinari and picks and in a deal that gets them a guy like Miles Turner back, a defensive minded big who can shoot and stretch the floor. Then I'd be more interested in getting Simmons, uh, a Simmons Turner front court in addition to the return of the Andre Hunter. 
could definitely help turn their defense around, which has been just terrible recently. It's almost like you've got uh, the ESPN Real GM trade machines going on in your head right there. That's a, that's a lot of interesting uh, moving parts, but not not out of the question, um, which I think is even more interesting. Um, you know, Yossi, uh, one guy that is a hot name who's drawing significant interest on the trade market is Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks. Um He's a movable salary at around $4 million. He's got size to play both forward spots. And his defense and ability to shoot the three ball intrigues rival teams. Uh, he's in the prime of his career. He's 28 now. And I think since last season, he's shooting around 39% from beyond the arc. Uh, he plays a coveted position. And, and those type of attributes are exactly what pretty much every team in the league is looking for. Now, rival executives think there could be an opportunity to pounce there with Finney Smith um, because Jalen Brunson is set to hit free agency along with Finney Smith and keeping both players could push them uh, into some luxury tax issues, which you can explain better than me. <laughs> yeah. So Dallas is set to be treading around the luxury tax next season, largely thanks to Luca's max extension. That's about to kick in. In addition to Porzingis making almost as much, and they got a several other players making pretty good amount of money. Um, so both Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith are set to become unrestricted free agents this summer, but they're currently eligible for extensions right now. They can each get up to four years, $56 million. Um, I could see Finney-Smith getting a substantial part of that amount, while I think Brunson may have already played himself into – earning that full amount. Uh, I think he's proven himself to being a starting point guard in the league, and I could see him getting offers in that four for 56 million range in the offseason from other teams, which would be slightly more than what Devontae Graham got, just for a slight comparison. Um, I think if Dallas is going to keep just one of these guys, there will probably be, there will likely be a move in the future to help keep them below next year's luxury tax. So, uh, that could include moving Porzingis or Hardaway or Powell, just to just so you know, like just to keep in mind how you know it doesn't seem like Dallas has that many uh, players making like really high salaries, but just with Luke and Porzingis alone, they're already like dangerously close to a luxury tax. Um, but as for this season, I I could see them also making an, uh, some type of win now move. They do have uh, 11 million dollar trade exception and they're roughly 60 million below it this season so below the luxury tax this season so they could use that trade exception to get a player that could help them win now well it's it's on point that you brought up a guy that could help them win now because some playoff caliber teams are monitoring eric gordon and daniel tice with the houston rockets uh given where they are in the standings as guys that they could potentially uh sell off um you know gordon you know when he's been healthy he's still shown an ability to score and shoot the ball and i think tice what he brings to a team it's all the intangibles um and, and you know things like screen assist doing the dirty work boxing out um he's a winner he showed that in boston and i think uh, there's certainly playoff caliber teams out there that would love to acquire both of these guys that are due diligence that are doing due diligence on both. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I think despite how the Tyson Houston experience has not quite worked out, I still think he's on a good deal. And I think there should be other teams with interest in him. Uh, same with Eric Gordon. He, you know, his deal doesn't like sound that great, but he only has one more guaranteed, uh, one more guaranteed year left on his deal. And he's remained really, really good. He's played really well this season and has been even more efficient than last season on less volume shooting. So uh, I I could see a lot. Of, I, I think this might finally be the year the Rockets are able to move on from him. And I feel like they can probably get like a late first from him. You know, another guy that playoff caliber teams are monitoring is Kenrick Williams with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, you know, you had written recently about the Thunder being below the salary floor and I think it was about $23 million or so. And uh, it'd be interesting. They're going to be an interesting team to monitor. Uh, I would certainly look for them as a team that could take on a guy like a Wancho Hernan Gomez, uh, who's barely played for the Celtics all season and other salary dumps around the league. Also, Aaron Wiggins is a candidate to have his two-way contract converted to a standard deal uh, I've heard. So keep an eye on that as well, uh, according to league sources. All right. So Oklahoma City, uh, roughly 23 million below the salary floor, and they have the ability to generate uh, about 34 million in cap space. So uh, they just they scream a team, hey, like as a who can be a, a, a dumping ground for unwanted salaries. And I would be surprised if the Thunder didn't at least get above the salary floor. Uh, they made sure to get above it last year towards the very end of the season, even though they, they didn't have to. Uh, no team has to get above the flat salary floor, but they've got an open roster spot right now after waving Gabriel Deck and subsequently Mia Yoni. So I think they'll eventually use it on Aaron Wiggins to convert him onto the roster. But in the meantime, they'll probably keep the spot open through the tape through the trade deadline so they can acquire players with unwanted salaries, waive them and rinse and repeat the process. You'll see. I mean, I think certainly there's going to be a lot of talk a month heading to the trade deadline. Uh, you know, for, for those listening, if you haven't checked out Yossi's story on uh, teams that can make moves regarding the luxury tax, I suggest you do it. Uh, make sure that you also take a look at uh we also had a post on guys that could be moved after december 15th all those names still apply as well um and yossi and i are going to be certainly breaking down more news coming up uh, in the weeks ahead brother i'm looking forward to it looking forward to it as well michael well thanks for joining me yossi and i want to thank everyone else for tuning in if you want to hear more episodes of the hoops high podcast with guest appearances from nba players coaches executives media members and salary cap experts like my man Yossi. You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too, at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.